All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler, and Bag Milk starts now. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 95,000. We are here. It is a frosty Tuesday, to say the least, in the capital city. And as a result... I am looking at a screen with everybody's face on it for the first time in, I don't know. I don't remember the last time we did one of these. We yeah, did all over Zoom. It was 5,000 episodes. I can see that, Liam. That's probably a pretty good guess, so I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh, as always, I want to start off with a shout-out to our friends at DoorDash and Oodle Noodle. They are tag team unit to lead off the podcast and of course they give us a delicious debate opportunity tyler what have you got for us today what are we arguing about or what problem are we solving on a scale of one to ten how concerned are you about the blue line also it's episode 250 episode 95,250 we're starting off how concerned are you with the blue line nation dan you are first up on my zoom screen um i'm I like, I guess the, I was more worried about the back end of the blue line to start this year. And now I'm more worried about the front end of the blue line, uh, I guess is the way I'll put it. So like I started at probably a three to start the year. And I would say I'm at like a six. Now the top end is what's concerning for me. Bouchard and nurses um, behavior, I guess is the way I want to put it. Like uh, has just been really troubling. I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's those players alone that are the that are the cause and the and the solution to this issue. But yeah, I would say the top end of our defense is what's concerning for me now. Liam, you are next up on my Zoom screen. What say you? Hmm. 
I will say I am, I think I'm a seven concerned, seven out of 10 concerned, because it's not like there's just looking at it now, obviously the others would have to go and acquire somebody to make any improvements on it. But within the organization, like there's just no one to come and help them. And it's just kind of dumb mistakes. Like it's, I don't know, maybe seven's too high. Maybe I'll go over six. I feel like nurse can be better. Obviously like uh, this seems somewhat out, out there for him to like do these mistakes. And Bouchard is just a second year guy. I think Kulak's been fine. CC has been okay. Barry, I think he's been pretty reliable most of the season. And then you have that other spot, which has kind of been a rotating cast, which I think is just the biggest worry for everyone because who really knows who's playing there and who really knows if they're good enough to play there at this point. So I'll give a six out of 10 concerned 6.5. Do you want to, do you want one more number in there? <laughs> uh, 6.5. Six is fine. Six is fine. Six is fine. 6.58. <laughs> Rick, you're next up on the zoom screen. How nervous are you? Um, on the 10? I'm kind of there with Liam on, on how he broke it down. So, but I'm about a four right now. I just think that, you know, I think Darnell's in his head right now. I think 9.25 has been screamed everywhere that it's top of his mind. So he's overplaying, overcorrecting everything he does instead of just sitting back and playing the game the way he should, the way he's always, always has. Uh, Bouchard, you know what? It's an up and down type of uh, uh, cycle when you're learning how to play in the NHL. So what he's doing right now, I don't think is a, uh, is a, a a good idea of what's going to be happening in the future. I think he can play a lot better. Um, like Liam said, the back part of those guys have been at least average, if not a little bit better than average or right around there. But I still think that it needs to be a five-man system, our own D zone, and a lot of goals are given up. Um, as much as you know, everyone says, oh, it's this defenseman or that defenseman, if we had three forwards in there playing the way they're supposed to, uh, we wouldn't run into those problems. So I'm still worried about the five-man system in, the, in our own end as opposed to just defensemen. Tyler, you're Chuck. You are next up. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, 7 out of 10. Like, I do think they can get better, and I fought with Jay about this a lot. Um, yes, you did. Yeah, it was pretty Listen intense. in real life yesterday. They, uh, I always like when people yell at each other and there was, I was, I was out in the, uh, common area and I was listening to it as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just, I, the pieces they have can play better. And that gives me some legitimate hope that things will improve. Right. Darnell nurse. We've seen him play miles better than this. And I just have a real hard time believing that he's going to go. 50, 60 games of just being this bad. Like, at some point right away here, he's just due to turn it around. He's a professional athlete. Evan Bouchard, you know, development's never a straight line, but we saw him for stretches last year play like a legitimate top four, top two D-man. That's not a stretch. And why can't he get back to that? I just look at the pieces they have that are struggling, and I'm like, man, they can give more. And I know they will at some point this season. I really do believe that. But then I look at that left side being as bad as it is, and I also kind of go... Man, for the most part, their important pieces have stayed healthy. And that's why my number is a little bit higher is like, what if they turn it around? Okay, but what if someone gets banged up? And I'm not talking Murray Broberg getting banged up because they already are. What if they suffer a legitimate big injury to that top four, top five that they kind of have right now? Don't you go put don't you go putting that on this team right now? I know, I know, because they've dealt with their fair (laughs) share of injuries. It's not like the whole team's been healthy, but I'm like man, there, maybe there is a chance that this could get worse and maybe it's really not going to get better till the deadline. And I am concerned in the moment. I really do believe they can turn it around, but there's just, they've, they've been so bad. And I like Rick's point about the five-man unit too. Like the forwards have been brutal defensively and 
I'm not sure if that necessarily is going to get any better. Like, it's not like they have a bunch of really great defensive players sitting in this lineup that just aren't playing up to snuff. So, But they were playing better last year. We saw what this team can do. There's yeah. no real additions to the roster. They played well defensively last year when they played a tight five-man unit. They're not doing that this year, and I have no idea why. I guarantee you the coach is not telling him not to do it. Uh, I just we, Nobody can figure out why they, can, why they aren't. Yeah, and that's just maybe the part that makes it even more concerning, though, is like I can't even figure out why they're playing this bad. The mistakes, the 10-bell mistakes, they're happening way too often, and there's even ones that aren't going in the back of the net. Darnell Nurse had another one against Nashville that we simply aren't talking about because Jack Campbell made the big save. And it's like, man, if that goes in, this is a whole nother conversation, another game where a big Darnell Nurse mistake cost them points. And it's like, this just can't keep happening. So there's a part of me that's going, this is rock bottom. And this, from the blue line out, the forwards included, this is a huge problem, their lack of attention in the defensive zone. It's rock bottom. That's why I'm at 7 out of 10, but that maybe is also the reason why I'm optimistic it can get better is I'm like, they're losing a lot of one-goal games, and it can't get worse than this, so like maybe they'll turn it around right away and we'll forget about it. Just to wrap it up, my answer, I think I'm, I'm almost at an 8 out of 10 concerned, and it's mostly because... Not necessarily that I think that the group needs a bunch of adjustments, though I do agree that the left-hand side needs an upgrade, um, but rather that guys that we've seen do it before are just not doing it right now. And that kind of goes to the defensive group of six plus the forwards that are on the ice with them as well. Like you guys said, the mistakes they're making in their own zone are just staggering. And a lot of them are avoidable. Like I think about last night against the Nashville Predators, and we're going to talk about the three game losing streak coming up, but they couldn't defend. Mm -hmm. Like the top line with Connor and Leon on it was just, they weren't doing anything. They were they puck bad. Chase. They puck chase. They don't watch behind them. They have guys yes. that come in the backside all the damn time, and all five guys are standing there facing towards the puck. It's an inattention to detail that I just I didn't see coming. And the reason I'm at an eight out of ten is not. I'm not going to single guys out. Obviously, everybody needs to be better. I think that we had concerns coming into the season about just the overall effectiveness. And I got to admit, when Tyler said that Murray and Broberg are both hurt, he said Murray Broberg. And that just, I was like, are we inventing people now? Murray Broberg, who's he? (laughs) But we need guys that can play at their level. And there's just, it's not that there's one guy that's struggling right now. It's a lot of guys that are struggling. And that's what the concern is because it's just, it's not getting better. And I know that it can be. And that's why I'm concerned. I just don't understand what's going on. It's like Rick said, they're not paying attention to the details of their game in the defensive zone. They're chasing the puck. I still think they're cheating for offense in a big way. And it it's concerning because Our breakouts are three man breakouts all the time because two of them are up, up north of the red line. That, yes. I, that I think is just the, yeah. I mean, you guys hit it there. It's, it's the fly in the zone. It's the ready to go and make offense, which is exciting and fans love it when it works. But when it's not working, this is what you get. And I don't. But think it also works when you come up with like the flying V from our own damn goal line. <laughs> These guys are yes. so good. We mm. saw we saw a play there. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was last night. It was like two nights ago, we made five passes in their own end. It was five passes. You had them spinning around like tops, and we almost scored. They can come out and do it. They just have to commit to doing it. They're not supported to further that. They're not supporting each other down low, like. Like Rick said, and I've drawn this on the B cast as coach bag milk a bunch of times. It's like, you've got your defenseman. He's got his outlet pass near the hash marks. And then what? Like there's the step one is there. 
But that outlet pass, that guy on the hash marks doesn't have anywhere to go with it. His options are try and dangle somebody, which doesn't work, or go high off the glass or try and force a pass. There's no like quick one to the centerman that's swooping down low because he's already up by center ice somewhere. And I just, I'm confused by it. And that's why my number is eight out of 10. When this team plays a puck possession game, they're very good. But we're going from it out of our, uh, out from behind our own net and we're giving up puck possession because there's nobody to pass the puck to. Yeah, exactly. Who are you passing the puck to? Because that guy's probably at the other blue line already. And like, if you can rip that through and it works, like Dan said, then great. That's fine. And we all have a lot of fun. That's one of the seven, though. Yes. 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 Scientific scientific numbers there, too, by the way. Of course. And how concerned am I? Eight. And it's not necessarily any individual. It's just as a whole, the others have not improved. We're 32 games into the season now, 33 games, whatever it is they haven't improved in that aspect of their, of their play this year. And it's, it's a worry for me. Anybody else? Final thoughts. I mean, if you remember back to last year, the, around this point, all their numbers slid towards the bottom of the league. Right. And the point I kind of made on my show is they started off like crazy hot last year. And then they just fell right to the bottom of the NHL for like six weeks. And then they found a way to rise back a little bit. And I maybe look at this year's team and I go, You know, they didn't have that crazy run like they did early last season. But I don't think their fall is going to be as intense because, again, right now I'm not sure if it can get worse for them. And they're they're losing these games by, like, one goal, going to OT twice, losing by one to the Ducks when they put up 50 shots. Like, you know, they very easily could have won all three of these games without one or two really bad mistakes. So it's like... should have won. It's not like they're playing all around terribly for all 60 minutes of the game. It's just these... One or two mistakes are costing them hockey games. And if they clean that up, they should get back, get their heads back above water relatively quickly here. So I, I don't think we're in for like a six-week slide like we had last season. I think that they should rebound a little bit quicker than that. I hope so. I hope so. For our friends at DoorDash Noodle Noodle, I want to hear from you. If you're listening to this right now, Owen Radio Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. How concerned are you with the defense? Out of 10. Give us your number. Not your real-life number, your concern number. Because my real-life number is, I mean, we're in the negatives right now, Tyler, and I don't like it. It's real cold. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing I wanted to talk about is, let's just get this losing streak out of the way because we've all seen the teams that they just lost to. St. Louis, Anaheim, Nashville. St. Louis won. That was a frustrating one. But let's get into Anaheim because that happened after our last episode of Oilers Nation Radio. Did we get goalied? Or did the Oilers just not play well enough? Because I tend to lean in the both. second column. It's both. They played just fine in the third period. They fucking, the whole third period is played in their end. That goaltender just kept the puck out. Uh, they weren't good enough at the beginning. They had, they made their own bad plays in their end again, and they and it, and it hurt them. It, Liam, yeah, it, it was just like Rick said, like they played well in the third period, but when you only show up for the third period, you know, how can you expect to win games? And that seems to be half the battle with this team. Like, obviously we have to talk about the defense, but offensively, like there's so many times, like yesterday they had to chase the game again. It's getting to the point where you see that style. It's like, Oh, this team's never out of it. So like, quite frankly, I, I kind of hate that to be honest, that they just like have this reputation. And I was like, Oh, the others can come from behind because they fall behind so often that it's just become part of this team identity. And it's good to have that resilience, definitely. But Saturday, you shouldn't have had to have any resilience. You played the Anaheim Ducks. 
who had only beat Montreal and San Jose in regulation all season long. And they came in and they took their chances. What they finished with 17 shots. Yep. One of them, we literally screened our own goaltender. The first one, Nurse just flew right by his guy to cover CC for some reason and left the other guy. He wide was over. Open. He was overcorrecting his own his own mistake. Yeah, and he's way overcorrecting. Like, it just seems yeah, silly. That's what and like, he's been I, doing though. Yeah, and to, to to credit the Anaheim goalie, like he made a lot of good saves in the third period. Like he did play well. I don't know if the Oilers did get goalied. Yeah, I think my answer would be like they just didn't show up for forty minutes, and that was their own fault, and they got what they deserved. See, I don't think it wasn't they didn't show up in 40 minutes. I think they just had those stupid plays in their own zone again, and they yeah. end up killing them. Yeah, but that's not showing right. up, right? Like, no, you can, you, can show, you can show the up the and make a mistake. You can show up and make a mistake for seven seconds, and that seven seconds sure. ends up in the back of your net. And that's, what this, you, and that's what's happened to this team for a lot this year. Way too often. But watching that game, do you feel like the Oilers were the Oilers were like the better team and the goalie was the element that just stopped it? Well, it was both. Like the goalie, period, for sure. they very easily could have won that game seven four if Lucas Doshtel doesn't stand on his head. Period. But they also could have won seven nothing if they didn't make their own mistakes. Yeah, yeah, but there's three. Those are mistakes in such a short amount of period of time that were, you know, two mistakes in the first just for whatever, just for guessing the numbers. Um, doesn't mean they had a bad first period. It means they had made two really bad yeah. fucking mistakes that first period that ended up in the back of their own net. And I think that's, that's a bad first period. I would say that's a bad, that's a bad period. first period. It literally cost yeah, them the whole first when you consider period. The the considering the opponent, that's a bad period. Like Horrible. to me, you can't you can't remove the fact that this is the Anaheim Ducks who haven't beaten a team in regulation. But if you play the whole if you if you play with the with the puck the most of the time and then two mistakes going to your own net, sure it's unlucky and it sucks, but it doesn't mean you had a bad period. That's a bad result. But does it mean you played bad? No, you had two damn mistakes. And I don't see why people don't do see this. I've been seeing it for years. Even when we were 2-11-2 last year, there's so many times where it's three or four minutes of mistake-filled hockey and they score two to three goals. And outside that two to th- outside that little time frame, they were just fine. But it's that stupid time frame where they give up one and then somehow they score another another one goes against us in that little time frame. And then they, they keep doing this. And it's been a, a, an issue for years, if not decades. Given the opponent, I couldn't... I can't defend any of those mistakes. Like I think about when the Oilers were in the Aikens era and we would go through the California road trip, those teams absolutely shit stomped the Oilers and they were the worst team in the league and they treated them like it. And yeah, but everyone sits there and tells you how good Trevor Zegers is. All these, all these guys have all these forwards out there. So they don't have a terrible team. They've had terrible results for sure. But how, but maybe they've been uh, underperforming for a lot this year. Two regulation wins all season does not sound good. This team should be a lot better than that based on the name I have, of the roster. I have no defense for the Oilers giving up four goals on 17 shots against the wor- one of the worst teams in the league. I just can't buy any of that. That's just, that's a poor result. It, I think a poor result it. doesn't mean that like it doesn't mean they had a poor game though. They had some stupid ass mistakes that end up in the back of their net. Yes, like it does make it a bad game in the long run, but it's not like they played bad all game. So yes, it's a bad game, but maybe we're saying two different things here using the same words. Yes, it's a bad game, it's a bad result, but I don't think they played terrible. I don't think that they played like that game was a four three loss or whatever the score was. So you're saying we played visually better. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No, I'm not yes. using any of those stupid internet terms. Uh, no, but I, th- I think that that's kind of what you're trying to say. And, and I don't, and I think that that's like, there's like a certain element of our side of the thing. That's like a trauma from that. But what you're saying essentially is that it felt like a, a moral victory win, which mistakes. it's just our mistakes always end up in the back of our net. But I think coming off the St. Louis game where, a mistake cost them two points. You would have liked to have seen them been better and not cause mistakes to allow more goals. And like, sure, but we've said I that just, thirty-two times this season so far. But the the, the, the it's supposed to be like a Stanley Cup contender and Anaheim. I think we all knew weren't going to be close to the playoffs this year. Sure, like I agree, they're probably massively underperforming. Like nobody expected them to have, I guess, three regulation wins now, but also. You can't do that every single night. We can't like moral victories to me just aren't a thing right now. Like they just can't Definitely be as a not. team. Like I think stuff like like Puyavi scoring last night, I think that's a moral victory, sure. But like you can't walk away from the Anaheim Ducks and think, you know what, that wasn't so bad. Because it was bad. You lost. You lost the game in regulation too. Like that's the worst part about it all. Like is they didn't even get anything from it. And sure, I think they probably deserve to get at least a point, I guess. Like when you put up 47, eight shots, whatever they did. And like, but you can't just walk away from that thing and like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe if they just clean up these mistakes, they'll win because it's just a repeating occurrence every single night. One of the interesting things for me from, uh, from Saturday's game against the Ducks was, and this isn't even a shot at him. It was just an interesting observation I thought was Stuart Skinner allowed four goals on the 17 shots. He finished with the 765 and nobody said a word about it. And I think, you know, there were some goals that went in where like, you're just like, ah, that's not on him. But if that was Campbell in that, could you imagine how just like irate people would have been with that same result? It's interesting to me. Yeah, How, but, uh, but that's just depends on who says it, though. And and also, like Skinner has built himself up enough goodwill. We're still talking about play. a seven sixty five. Yeah, but yeah, after how many games of nine hundred or better? Bouchard's one handed pass at the blue line, and then Bouchard standing right in front of him when his buck goes through wow. over his shoulder. I don't remember the other two goals. Oh, then Nurse, you know, both defensemen flying yeah. in front of one guy, leaving open a backdoor top in. Like that's just, twenty goals right there. That you can't blame him on one of those. I already said off the start, I don't blame him for it. The observation is interesting, though. Well, and further to your point, too, Bag Milk, and and as you mentioned, Rick, when Bouchard screened him there, I got some Mike Smith vibes from that stare down. That Skinner did. <laughs> there was a, there was just a moment of Skinner giving him the business, uh, which you know what, fair enough. The weird thing about that one too is 
like Bouchard literally looked back to see where the goalie yeah. was and seemed to shuffle over right in front of him. <laughs> I don't know. I think he turned back to see, like, to cover his man who was in front of the net. There was nobody in front of that. The closest guy well, was he covered his man already. <laughs> the closest guy was actually behind the net. So then he turned around and turned his attention to the next guy with the puck again, and then kind of shifted in front of him. So I did think I think he was actually looking to find the guy in front of the net. Realize there's nobody there. Next, where's your next guy to look at? Turn around in front of you, and then the puck was past him. I, I appreciate I didn't your positivity, it. Rick. I really do. Because I just, my I, I brain just, is you, nowhere you near yours you, right now. You turn around. You're looking for the guy in front of that. You're not suddenly looking like there's. It just makes no no sense for the defense to turn around and look at the goaltender and then stand in front of him, right? He turned around. I know that's not what he tried to do. That's what it looked like he did. Oh, that's fair. But I, I, that's what I think he was doing. Because right? there was a guy right behind the net there, too. And so he looked at him. Okay, that dude's not my problem. Turn around here and then bang, bang, there goes the puck. And I would love to know what Skinner's, like, what the level of communication is from Skinner to tell his guys that he's being screened as well. Fucking move. Like thing that keeps <laughs> I know, but it's a thing that keeps happening. We saw it in last night's game with, uh, I mean, that that wasn't necessarily uh, a screen so much as just existing off of a face-off. But, you know, what is his level of, of onus there as well to let Bouchard know that he's blocking him? Last night's I don't goal think that, they communicate right? that much on the ice. Are you talking about that gross yeah. goal by gross? Like the Barry in man. terms, in terms of like, can Jack Campbell just get some kind of break at no some point? Cause that shot was going five feet wide <laughs> and it bounces right in past him. And then you go on Twitter. And again, I know Twitter is just like a small volume of the people go, Oh, Campbell, come on. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, that was going nowhere near the net. Yeah. My guy needs an exorcism. I had I had a bigger problem with a couple of the goals that went in on him that game, but definitely yeah. not. That was the only one where I was like, "Oh shit, what are you gonna do there?" Like that just sucks. Well, let's move on to last night against Nashville. Nashville is a team that the Oilers had beat for eight straight games. Ultimately, it did not work. Interesting thing, and we'll get into it afterward. Is the top line very quiet? Uh, Nashville did a good job there, mm. but Tyler, what were the goals that were sticking out to you? Because I actually thought I didn't think that last night the Oilers would get a point without Campbell's play, especially down the stretch. Yeah, he made some big saves, but like I didn't like that first goal. He kicks the rebound right onto Ekholm's tape, and it's agreed. I know agreed. that was a bad one. Sometimes people like sit there and be like, "The goalie's job is to stop the first one," and it's like, yeah, like maybe when you're a kid or you're in beer league, it's like, yeah, just stop the first one. Well, but, like, he's in the NHL, rebounds. In the NHL, yeah, you got to control your rebounds. A problem. And Campbell's, yeah, right. That's been an issue for him. And that Matt Duchesne goal. I mean, you look at it on the surface, and it's like, oh, like he had Duchesne who sprinted in on a bit of an odd man and roofed it. But, like, Jack Campbell just makes a habit of shrinking himself down and making himself as small as possible. Like, he gave Duchesne a ton mm-hmm. of net. Whereas if he just stayed squared up to the shooter and stayed up a little bit, that shot hits him in the shoulder. Like, if Stuart Skinner's in net, that shot hits him in his massive shoulder pads and he keeps it out. And I don't know what it is with Campbell. I I get he's, he's comfortable. making himself really small. He's comfortable yeah. with that gear and whatever, but, like, Man, he looks small in the net, and he looks like he gives a ton of space to the other team. And that Duchesne goal just frustrated me because it's like if you're gonna wear the small gear, you also then can't just like shrivel up and make yourself small to make the stops. And I like the point they made on the broadcast as well. He's always touching his hands together every time he needs to get squared up. And that Duchesne goal, like if you're just set and in position earlier, you're fine. And I'm not like a goalie expert or whatever, but like you touch your hands together, you're moving around, and then you lunge at it, and with your shoulders all shriveled up, and it's like. No wonder he roofed it on you. He's a 40-goal guy. Like, you need to play that better. So those two drove me nuts. But I agree. He did make some big saves. They very easily could have 
lost that game in regulation if it wasn't for some big stops from Campbell. But I also sit there and go, shit, you almost could have won the game in regulation if if Campbell doesn't have those two goals go in. So I don't know. I'm torn on it. I um, It's interesting you say that because I actually didn't have... I had more of an issue kind of with the OT winner than I did with the Campbell or the Deshane goal just because it was Deshane. And I don't even have that big of a problem with the OT one. My problem, I guess, with both is that both of those guys, Duchesne and uh, what is the other guy's name? They had all kinds of time, all the time in the world to just walk in and pick their spot. And yeah, probably could have made a bigger, a better play by Campbell. I'm not defending that. I just, I found it interesting. I had a bigger problem with the OT one. The OT, the OT goal there, I think Barry should have been more aggressive on that guy, knowing Horrible it's change, coming though. back. Yeah, hundred percent. It's yeah, it's three on three. You get, yeah, there, there's you see a lot more of those in, in the far change and three on three. But yeah, you're right. Um, but I think Barry should have been more aggressive on that shooter, especially knowing Connor's flying back to cover the other dude. Yep. Like I sat there and I saw like I'm watching the play, and I started going like play and play and play. And before you say the third time, the puck was ripped over the shoulder. So that's I think Barry should have been more aggressive, and that's part on on Campbell playing as small as possible too. Yeah, just from, like my thought was, sorry, Liam, my thought was that I thought he was, had he been more square and came out to the shooter on the OT goal, he probably would have had a better chance. I just kind of give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt trying to poach on Matt Duchesne, but ultimately that's just subjective. Liam, what were you going to say? Um, I guess just on the first goal, like the rebound obviously wasn't ideal, but also I have an bad. issue with the, the fact that Dreisaitl just was gliding in to not cover his man after he was the one who turn the puck over right in front of the benches. Like, bad pass by Booch. You, you put him in a bad spot, but, like, you turn the puck over, you should be the one that's probably hustling back to get it. And he does initially, then he, like, pulls up on it and just glides in. The guy's wide open. And also on that one, too, like, Nina Line and Stick was really weird, too. Like, I feel like he could have played that way better. It just felt like a bundle of errors that led to just another error by Campbell, which led to a goal, which is, again, just a recipe for the Oilers. And then on the power play goal, too, there was, I think it was Fogel. He was like going into the board somehow, like skated past the puck and kind of like froze it for like the 20 seconds. I like kept it in that end and then they go up there and score with however long. And it's just like, again, just like error after error is what's leading to goals on this team. And it's just like small little things, like actually making an effort to prevent the goal and not just relying on your goalie to make a save might go a long way for this team at the moment. A little preventative measures would go a long way yeah. on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, you know what does not need to change, Liam, for our friends at Betway? If you go in the over one and a half power play goals, <laughs> like, guys, you got to listen to me at some point here because it just keeps hitting over and over and over again. And I'm going to keep cashing it over and over and over again. So thank you to the Oilers power play and also the PK sucking ass. <laughs> it's, very, it's very important for... Uh, for my over one and a half power play goals. Uh, anything else from last night that you guys want to touch on in terms of just the Campbell side? I was just going to say for, for me with Campbell, I think we've been kind of begging for that kind of a performance where he is able to, you know, yes, he gives up the goals, but right after he gave up a goal, then you get some of those, you know, those momentary saves that you just need to be able to stay in this one and that one. And the Oilers did that and were able to get it to overtime because of it. So, you know, as much as we're, we're still, we're still frustrated with some of the goals that he's allowed. I'm happier with that performance than I have been with previous ones from Campbell. So I'm, that's where I'm kind of taking the positivity Mm -hmm. away from the Campbell experience. 
Last right. thing just on camp before we move on. Do you guys think he's starting to at least improve a little bit here? Yes. I yeah. think he has a lot. You don't think so? Not I don't think I've seen a ton. I don't think he was terribly bad at the beginning. I think there were little soft little spots here and there, and I still think there's soft little spots here and there. And the fact that he's playing so small on some of these shots, um, until you start to fix that, you're not going to get that much better. So I think he's been relatively consistent most of the season. I mean, that first goal, dude, that's a terrible, terrible rebound to give up. That was a bad one. But the rebound control with him has been a problem all season. It seems but it was like such it's just a like, soft shot. Did there have to be a rebound? He can't hold on to a it's puck. A, like, he can't. I, I'm more frustrated oh, yeah, yeah. with him right now than I almost was two weeks ago because I'm just like, there's. I'm not. I'm seeing marginal improvements, and like if it was just a bad streak, he would have flipped a switch by now and shown us he's a confident NHL goalie. He's just not. I don't know. I hate piling on the guy, so I didn't even want to like say that really. Um, but it's been in my head. I watch him play. I'm not confident at all. Like every time the team shoots on him, it's bobbled in front of him for the most part. I just I don't know. To me, it's it was the power play that got us to overtime last night. Like, That's the annoying part too. Like the others, three separate comebacks to tie the game and then they could just never get the next one and that was really frustrating well it, that, and that's that's felt like it, it feels like a junior hockey thing and it and sometimes with this team it feels like that happens where when we get a goal it's the next shift is the most dangerous for us because we we almost need to call a timeout after yes, damn goals exactly it's yeah. like we rest on our laurels and that's, right that's, we tied up the game we tied up the game timeout 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 All that's right, the old junior hockey adage the, your laziest shift is the one right after you score a goal. And so I like this team has to stop that nonsense of, you know, you tie up the game and then all of a sudden, yeah, we're back on our heels again, waiting for the next salvo from Nashville. It was silly. Uh, one thing, one last thing I just want to touch on from last night. And I guess the last little bit is I, I like, if you're going to play Connor and Leon together, they had better be going lights out every single game and they've cooled off a little bit. Let's separate them. Question mark, Tyler. I, I, I would, I think in the vacuum of a one game sample, like against the Rangers, right? When Woodcroft, when this started and it was like, we need a win tonight. We got to snap out of this slump. I think, yeah, going to him, it gives you a bit of a jump. Those two are clearly energized when they get a chance to play together. It's great. I think in the long run of a nine, 10 game sample size, I don't think it helps you build any sort of consistency in your lineup. I don't think it's good for the long-term health of this team and this forward group. I think you need to establish duos and give them 10 games to start building up some chemistry. Kyler Yamamoto's in the lineup. He's playing really damn good. I think he's a buzzsaw out there, forechecking like a demon. Stick him next to one of those two. Stick Hyman next to the other one. Have your duos for 10 games and go with it because you need to establish depth. And those two weren't good last game. You could argue they weren't that great against Anaheim, even though the Oilers put up 49 shots. When McDavid, Drysdale, and Hyman were all on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, the Oilers got outshot. Think about that. They outshot the Ducks by 32, but yet when the big three were all out there at the same time, they got outshot. It's yep. not working right now. Change it. Do you, like, think, just, it has, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they've been the only ones scoring for so long that the, that the coach is like, okay, fine, I'm going to put these two guys together yeah. and the rest of you guys figure shit out. Mike, and I Mike know it's probably not the, not the right thing to say and, and maybe change the words to a little more proper coach, uh, coaching context, but in, in reality, you know, just in the vast reality is that kind of what he's doing out there. He's saying, you guys need to figure shit out and, and, and learn how to carry your own. I'm going to put these two together because they're going to get us X amount and no. we need the rest of you guys to, to, to pull up your socks and, and get out there and do something. 
I think there's too many times there's too many passengers on their team on their lines. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Sorry, buddy. Uh, to me, it just lends credence to the to my conspiracy that the that Leon and Connor want to play together. And with the injury to to Kane and and all the motion that we've seen through the top six, except for Matthias Janmark, uh, we I think that you're just you're seeing that Connor and Leon do not want to not play together right now, and they get to make the calls on this team. And now with the thing about Janmark playing there, I also think that it's more about messing up one line instead of messing up all the lines shifting guys up like i like the i really like that third line last night um having holloway and pooley arby together or like that and then the addition of uh of fogel uh when you get mcleod out there i'd like to see mcleod pooley arby and fogel or mcleod pooley arby and uh and holloway and then i think a fourth line with ryan fogel and costin will be good um so i think that yeah but yeah that's the only explanation I come up with yeah mark still playing on the second line I've actually got Yanmark on my list here um, coming up because it's, I saw some, and I wish I could, I'm trying to find it on Twitter right now. Cause I wish I could give credit to the person that said it, um, but I can't find it right now. But to paraphrase, it was kind of like Yanmark doesn't do anything really well and he doesn't do anything really poorly, but what does he do exactly? And he's getting a lot of time up in that, you know, with players that got a little bit of skill and I, you got to convert, don't you, Liam? Yeah. Like, I I agree with you, Rick, on the point of, like, not wanting to mess up that third line. But, like, why not just mess up the top six and just spread it out a little bit more? Maybe just, if you want to keep yeah, marking the top six, whatever. Like, wouldn't he, like yeah, even if you split up the top six and keep that third line the way it is, isn't Yanmark still in the top six? Or do you, is it Yanmark for Costin? Like, I just can't see any other guy that's going to get in that top six. Yeah, like, I, I don't Unless you just that want one, to leave that, that one alone entirely. I like the Fogel third line right now. Fogel, <laughs> Holloway, and Pooley Arby. I, I like that line right now. So then our other options are yeah. boy Kaleem. I don't know if he's ready for the top six. I think he is. I don't, how, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ready for the top six on this team at the moment, to be honest. So maybe Clem Shady is the one you test out there. But I guess just on Yamark, like I, you don't really notice him at all which is good and bad. Like, you had that one chance last night in tight, right? But, like, didn't pull the trigger. Like, I feel like someone like Holloway would have the instincts to probably shoot that puck or even, like, Costin, too. Like, whoever it is, right? But, like, you would never see Zach Hyman go in there and not shoot. And, yeah, Mark has to get that in his head. If, like, he's playing in the top six, they probably want him to do that bit more of a grittier role, I suppose, around Nugent Hopkins and be the guy that's going to drive to the net and cause some chaos. And, yeah, he's not really... He's not really done a lot these last few games, but I think he's been fine for the Oilers and probably deserves to be on this team in one way or the other. Tyler, you bumping up Clem Shady? Yeah, I would debate it. I, I also wouldn't have a huge problem with breaking up the third line. And I, to me, Dylan Holloway's looked more and more and more confident with each passing game he's here over this last little too. stretch. So, like, he's gotten some flashes where, like, they're losing by two or three goals a few times. They throw him up there with McDavid or Drysaddle. And I think he looks good. And I'm like... I'm at the point where, again, almost like we were early in the season, give this guy a meaningful look. Give him three games. Sit him down and say, Dylan, through thick and thin, even if you have some mistakes here, we are giving you nine straight periods with either McDavid or Drysaddle and see what the kid can do because I think right now part of the reason he's maybe starting to look better and better on the third line is because he's played with the same teammates now for 
five, six games or same line mates for five, six games. And I get maybe I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth by saying like, pull him off that line. But I'm just so intrigued by what he could maybe do with a consistent look with some like legitimate high end skill. And it's like, ah, that'd be tempting to find out if he could take those same steps forward higher up in the lineup. Cause then shit, you might have something here. I do think he's starting to just get more adjusted to the NHL game. Right, let's face it. He's a rookie still, right? He didn't play a lot. Bats. Was hurt to start, you know. It, you know, it wasn't. And here we are right now. He's starting to get comfortable out there and be confident with the puck, be confident without the puck in both in all three ends of the ice. And I think at that point, you can start definitely start looking at moving him up. Um, he's the only guy that you could actually put that top six though outside of Janmark. If you want any type of any type of difference in in, in game, I guess. If you're looking for something else that's different, Rick, you can head on out to Jasper for our friends at Tourism Jasper. If you visit jasper.travel, you will see all of the deals that they've got up there, including half-price lift tickets to Marmot Basin, best deals in the Canadian Rockies back for the 2022-23 season. Save 50% off regular price adult, senior, student, and youth lift tickets every day, all season, no blackout dates, and up to 50% off lift tickets at partner ski areas. 30% off accommodation in Jasper. Go check them out at jasper.travel. Uh, boys, I put together a little game for you. Ooh. We're talking about mixing up the lines here. So I have got a little prices right game here. I think that the Oilers would be best served if they spread McDavid and Drysidle out. I think a lot of you agree. And we just need more scoring from throughout the lineup. So. I put together a little line by line game of how many goals each line has produced. And this is based on last night's combos. So to recap, in case you were not paying attention last night against the Nashville Predators, first line was dry saddle, McDavid Hyman. Second line, Yanmark, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Fogel, Holloway, Pugliarvi, Costin, Shore, Derek Ryan, Liam, I'm going to start with you. Just, I want to give, I want you to have your guess here, and I'm going to write all these down to pick a winner. Looking at the first line, Liam, how many goals do you think that line is responsible for? So is this just five on five, right? No, we're talking, to, we're talking in general. So like, if you look at the first line, how oh many goals boy. that line has? Hmm. I would guess... What? 18. 18. That seems low. Yeah, on the season. <laughs> about on the season. I was just oh. going to say, we've had a total of 118 goals this year, Liam, just to help you out. Okay, so that's the 18 covered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 43. That's 43 for Liam. That is his guess. Rick, you are up next. Uh, so that first line, 29-97-18, I'm going yep. with 56. Let's see if anybody's got some Yaremchuk math going on in their head. And who's got the best memory of how many goals these guys got? Dan, you're up next. I'm going to say 51. Uh, so Dan is in at 51. And Tyler, final word on the first line. I'll say 57. <laughs> and the survey says for our first line, Tyler is correct. The actual oh, number is 63. Drysaddle is 21, McDavid 28, Hyman 14. That is a 
significant output of goals from that line. Now is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting. Gentlemen, we've got line number two, Yanmark Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto. If you know, if your memory is good, you'll know this one right on the button. I imagine. Uh, I'm going to go Liam. You're up first. Same order. Oh, perfect. All right. So Yamamark, Yamamoto, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Okay, so Yamamoto only has like two goals this season. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How big of a fan of Nugent Hopkins are you? Well, he has a lot of goals. So he's just combined with just those three. Right? Right, buddy, it's not that hard. Let's go. Take more time. Take more <laughs> time. Drag it out. You should, you should not Google it on your six devices that you have. Google 22. Uh, Liam says 22. Rick? Uh, I think number 17. Dan. I was going to say 16. Tyler, your arm check. Since I'm going last, I can outline my math. We know Yamo's got two. I believe Nuge has 17, and I think Yanmark has one, so the answer should be 20. I didn't think... Ding, ding, ding! Tyler gets the buzzer. I had Nuge. You win both prizes, Tyler. So that is Yanmark's got one, Nugent Hopkins with 17, and Yamamoto with two. Well, now that I understand the game, I will figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's gonna pull up the, the stat sheet. No, no, Liam, you're gonna paper. you're gonna get it. You're gonna figure it out on the last one, right? That's when you're gonna figure out all this rules. Well, these last two lines, I don't even know if we really have to do them because you can Wait. put it together pretty quickly. But Liam, do you want to give a go on Fogel Holloway, Bully <laughs> We may need another five. five. Oh no, 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 six, 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 six. There you Six. go. Liam gets the buzzer. <laughs> Last one we won't. Let's just finish up. How about the fourth line? Cost and Shore, Ryan. Liam, I'm going to give you another go. Cost and Shore. How do they one. understand the rules? What is 118 <laughs> minus? Devin's score has zero. <laughs> Eric Ryan has two or three. Four. Uh, that would be. Three. You're a little, you're a little shy. <laughs> you're a little three. shy. Five. <laughs> Clem Costin has two. Derek oh. Ryan actually has four goals. Derek Ryan, four goals. So that is, he has got the most goals in the in the bottom six. That is six goals. That is a flawlessly executed Price is Right game with the boys. <laughs> I was a little confused. I thought it was as a team, like as a line, they, they don't, scored they don't have, goals together. Liam thought that was a story right time anymore. segment. Liam, do you, have a story, do you have a story relating to Price is Right, Liam, perhaps? No. I we okay. just watch deal or no deal where I come from. Oh, <laughs> that's good show. That is such a subpar <laughs> choice with Noel Edmonds. Yeah, shout out to Noel Edmonds. I bet he yeah. wishes that he could be with us tomorrow at Soho. It's a nation Christmas party tomorrow, and I'm very excited to hang out with everybody. We're going to be heading down to Soho, we're going to watch the game, we're going to enjoy some za. They've got game day deals on. You might even get a glimpse of Tyler Uremchuk while you're there. Maybe wow. if you're there tomorrow, he might even gritty for you. Maybe he might not. Let's hope would he not. Gritty, would he gritty in the in the onesie thing he's got there? Tyler, we might have to bring out the romper pal. It's been a while since yeah, we've seen it, and the Oilers need a help, some help. I might pack that when we go to Vegas. That might be a good uh, time. Oh boy, might need it. That'd sooner. be nice. Um, that we might need it sooner. But in the meantime, go to SohoYEG.com to get everything you need to know about going to have a little mange there. I promise you, the pizza is great. Bring an appetite, though, because they're huge. 
1-800-444-1454, Jasper Ave. It is right in the mix. Go to SohoYEG.com. All right, we've got a bunch of negatives out of the way here. Let's finish off the boy, let's finish off the podcast with a little bit of a positive note. Our boy Stuart Skinner unquestionably the team's number one goalie right now. He's got a 9.15 save percentage through his uh, 18 starts so far this year. Tyler, what was your first thoughts when you saw the deal come through on Stuart Skinner, both in terms of dollar and term? Yeah, so I saw Jeff Merrick was the first one on it who said it sounds like the Oilers and Skinner getting close to an extension. I immediately jumped to the Dan Vladar deal. And I was like, okay, they signed him for two years, 2.2 million bucks. He's 25. It walks him right to his UFA number one season. And with uh, Pyotr Kochetkov in Carolina, who's a little bit less experienced, he got a four-year deal, 2 million bucks a year, walks him right to his UFA years. I looked at Skinner as a guy with, you know, he's similar to those two, a bit more experienced than Kochetkov, maybe a bit less than Vladar, but I, I like to think he's got maybe a little bit more upside and he's younger. Um, and I was like, oh, he's probably going to be a hair above them in AAV. And honestly, I probably I probably would have guessed three years, three mil. So to see it come in at three years, 2.6 is a win for the Oilers. And it's a win for Skinner because you're under contract. You get $7.8 million in your pocket over the next couple of years, which is great. And you're <laughs> a UFA as soon as humanly possible. So if you deliver and you're a true number one for the Oilers for the next three seasons, guess what? You're going to get a nice big payday when you're like 26, 27 years old. And if you're the Oilers and you have to pay Stuart Skinner a ton of money in his UFA one year or in his first year as a UFA, guess what? That's because he was a legitimate homegrown number one goalie for you for three seasons during Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's prime. You pay when you get something like that. So this is really just a win-win-win. If he's your starter for the next three years and Campbell's your backup, who cares? Because your goalie duo only costs you $7.6 bucks. And if he's great and you got to pay him, it's likely because you had a ton of success. So who cares? Uh, Nation Dan, Stuart Skinner's three-year deal. What do you think in terms of dollar and term? Well, I like the way Tyler explained it. It's like a Michael Scott win, win, win situation for mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. A very, uh, very positive deal for all sides of this. Uh, the, I mean, the worst, the worst thing you can say about it is that he's making two times, or for the back, his backup right now is making two times what he's making, and that is just is what it is. I, I said the joke because somebody else will say it on social media, and uh, it is what it is. But yeah, for us. It's really positive to have a guy like Stuart Skinner in the organization. It's something we haven't had. I mean, we've been fishing for free agent goalies since I can remember. I can't remember the last homegrown goaltender that's, that came up through this system. Dubnik. Probably Dubnik, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Eh? And and we even, even then we didn't get the best out of him. Minnesota ended up getting in the best out of him. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty positive thing as an Oilers fan you should be happy about, I think. Rick, Stu, term and dollars. Yeah, I know you guys nailed everything there. I mean, everyone is, wants to say, you compare him to Campbell. It's, that's, I don't know, it's just stupid. Uh, you look at your your combo and what it costs your combo, I think there's nothing wrong with, uh, with you know, two goaltenders under $8 million together. Um, I think it was really smart to get him signed right now, too, because if you wait till the offseason, he's probably going to put up a much better uh, stat line by the end of the year, and he's probably going to cost you more. So um, I think it was great to get him done right now, and you'll probably be seeing the same type of uh, headline two years from now when you sign him again. Liam, head scout of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Your mm-hmm. thoughts on Stuart Skinner, term and dollars. Good job, Ken Holland. You did it. You signed Stuart Skinner to a good deal for three years. 
my favorite part about it all is that Stuart Skinner in his interview was like, I'm just happy to like be in Edmonton Oiler. This is something I've always wanted to do. And I felt like he truly meant it, which a lot of people say that. And it doesn't seem like it comes from the heart. And it feels like he actually like truly wants to be here. And like in a good way, he's just happy to be here. So I'm glad he's here for three more years at that cost. At any you cost, got- honestly, like you would have been, it's just good to keep him around. You guys covered all of it, so I'll just go with a different angle. I was super pumped for him because in the NHL, there are 64 goaltending positions in that league. What are the odds that a hometown kid would get drafted and then work his way into a goaltending spot with that same franchise? It's like it's extremely unlikely. Like people talk about it with forwards being like, oh, they're playing their hometown. Like, it's okay. Like, there's a lot more forwards in the NHL than there are goaltenders. So one that I thought that was super cool. Um, I also, Mike McKenna over at daily face off has got an article about Stuart Skinner's new contract. He made an interesting point. He's just like, from his opinion, the Oilers probably got a reasonable discount here, signing him in December rather than waiting until the end of the year. Because if Stu keeps running the way he has, it's very like likely that he would have gone over 3 million bucks. And maybe we should do a little research. I don't know how many teams in the NHL have their goaltending tandem. I know we're not happy with Campbell right now. That's fine. But I still think that he's going to be fine over the hole in this, in this contract. How many teams have their like legit goaltending duo signed for less than 8 million bucks? It can't be that many. Really? Not Florida. <laughs> Definitely not Florida. <laughs> old, old Bob makes more than that. Holy Bob. But I'm just super pumped for the guy. Um, like Wanye said, though, in real life, I hope there's a mustache clause on there. Um, mm. I feel like he draws a lot of power from his mustache. And I uh, I very much hope that it continues. But I'm super pumped for the guy. I love to see it. Uh, next up, Jason Demers signed a little $750,000 yes. NHL contract. Liam... <laughs> You've been calling for it. Our friend Bruce, though, uh, Bruce Carlock, he does now does the prospect updates at OilersNation.com. He's just like, hey, 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 don't get excited. Too excited, boys. The PTO terms are basically over. They needed to do something here. What did everybody think about Jason Demers? Are we going to see him? Like, I don't imagine we are, but maybe we do. Don't they only Bruce? have six D-men on the roster right now? So, like, he's probably next man up. He has he to be the next guy. Out, yeah. But just on Bruce quickly, he shot down the whole idea of Jason Demers becoming an Edmonton Oiler anytime soon, quicker than I could even open my Twitter app. Like, it was <laughs> yes, ridiculous. He, he just yes, shot he the idea down immediately. So thanks, Bruce. Um, I was excited I think- to tag Liam in that news. I was very excited to tag him under that tweet. And the old Bruce came in, he's just like, not no fun for you two. Was well, he getting paid? What? Like, how does, that, how does that tryout thing work? He's been playing all year. Not, like, he's been playing all year, no? I thought you meant Bruce for a second. Uh, yeah, he's on a PT, he was on a PTO, so there's probably got to be some fee to that, I would imagine. I didn't know they could really last this long, to be honest. I, didn't I thought, know he was, thought it was just like a preseason thing and that when they sent him down, I guess I assume they just signed him to an AHL contract, but evidently not. Like, he's he's on a two-way now. He never uh, like, was just for his Was he just volunteer hours for his resume the last two months? He yep. just never stopped trying, so they never took it off of him. I <laughs> just kept I'm, showing up to the rink. Like, all right, look at here. <laughs> I'm curious, like, he's a professional tryout. Where he's at right now? Because this guy, I'm pretty sure he's close to a thousand games in the NHL. Is he not like what kind of defenseman is he? He was always kind of a way. Is he's like 
two-way defenseman, right? Probably more defensive now, I would guess. But, like, can he not almost be your replacement for Chris Russell? Where you have like a veteran guy who's, like, played a ton of games in the league, kind of knows how to win, like, played for San Jose for so long during, like, a very good era for them. I know they didn't win, but they had a lot of success as a team. I feel like he could play a very important role, and I'm not asking him to come up here and be an every-night guy, but, like, why can't that guy be a 7-8 instead of Ryan Murray? Like, I've, it seems way more important for this team than what Ryan Murray could bring. So oh, yes, I think they're, I think they're relatively, I think they have relative ceilings. Like, they kind of seem like a, yeah. like a defenseman to me. Exactly. So to, I feel like experience is better. Sorry, look at some of the off. numbers. Oh, no, it's all good. 699 games for Jason Demers in his career. Uh, and to answer another question, he played 24 games with the Condors, picked up nine assists. So he has been playing this whole time. Like <laughs> he has just been, going. he is a professional like and he is trying. <laughs> to answer your question though, Liam, like would he not have been signed by the team if they felt he was? I That's the thing. Like I, you would assume, right? Or yeah. also do they just want more veterans in Bakersfield? Cause they keep calling up everyone to come play for the Oilers. Like it's interesting, <laughs> but they clearly value something in his game and if it's that leadership i feel like this team could really use that at the moment they pro- they admire his professionalism his tryout and they've offered it so they'll keep <laughs> yeah. him going there you go maybe i mean i i don't know where jason demers's ceiling is at anymore i remember wanting him quite a lot when he did the tour of rogers place with milan lucic a handful of years ago but, but did you want him or did you want to keep taylor hall both because it, it was like a, it was like a duo, right? It was both Hall and Demers. Because yes. Jason Demers at his Jason Demers at his best, he was a he was an effective puck mover, especially in San Jose. So I just thought, yeah, I thought that the team desperately needed that at the time. But now, do they not need like maybe they need some veterans that have been around and kind of seen some shit? Maybe I don't know. I yeah, I can't see too late have NHL minutes. They were playing NHL minutes. Demers hasn't seen a lot of NHL action in the last couple seasons, at least. Yeah, because he played in the KHL last year, but he did go to the Olympics. Like, say that what it is, but like, that's probably good level, right? I would guess. Like, he did an interview with John Scott a couple, maybe it was last year, and he seems to have like quite a lot of personality when he was talking to him. So, like, maybe that's what the others kind of need right now. I just, I just can't see a scenario where he wouldn't come into this team and play better than Nima Linen. I just like the the personality thing that you mentioned, Liam, is interesting to me. And I know people don't like it, so don't at me. I don't care. But you kind of see some of the stuff that Ryan Reeves is doing in Minnesota in the strictly personality aspect of what he does. And it kind of seems to be lightening the the mood around there. It gives everyone some swagger. It's the exact same thing that happened to the team when Evander Kane came here last year. Maybe they need a little personality in there. I don't, do. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Tyler, thoughts? You're shaking your head. No, yeah, I agree. Like this, I was just shaking my head because I was like, who in this bottom six brings you swagger or personality? And it's like, Gleam. Yeah, like Gleam, honestly. Like, that's just, the he's guy. got enough for himself. He's got enough for himself. It doesn't really pour out to everybody else the yeah. way like fucking Revo would do. So, yeah. Like, I'm, he's I'm, not making Kirill, what's his name, Kaprasov show up dressed as an elf to the arena. So you know? It's funny. <laughs> I agree, man. I I think they need more swagger in their bottom six, and I think that's something they'll be looking to get is a guy who kind of runs around a little bit, isn't afraid to mix it up. Like, I think that's a target of theirs. Frank's told me that on my show before. Like, they're looking for someone who's more difficult to play against. What? What was the price tag for Revo again, that trade? 
was a fifth uh, round pick in 2025. It was the cap hit that was the concern, was it not? Because he was, was making two million bucks. And Kane, Kane and Reeves have had beef for a long time. Oh yeah, well, I think the Oilers are maybe a little worried about that. Josh, yeah. Josh from Hockey Fights uh, was listening to Stoffer's show that morning, and Stoff had actually mentioned the Oilers were looking at Revo right before the transaction went through from Minnesota. I wonder how how those two guys like. Is it an on ice rivalry, and they're somewhat okay off the ice? And have you put on the same sweater? Does that kind of go away? Can you squash it? Who knows? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. The how uh, deep is this? yeah, how deep is this rivalry run? This feels like a good time to kind of talk about this. And we've talked about it a lot with like the veterans the others have lost. And obviously now we're talking about Demers potentially being a, an answer for this team. But on a, on Oilers Nation Every Day today, Tom Gazzola spoke about the similarities between this season and 2018, where the Oilers... Oh, like, don't you dare. Don't, don't you, you dare. Just, Why would you do this? Hey, he's already been brought into the atmosphere. I'm just, I'm just swirling it a little more. <laughs> But he was talking about how this year the Oilers have asked a lot of young guys to kind of step up and do something like Broberg, Bouchard, Nima Line, mm-hmm. and whoever else. And he said that year it was kind of similar with like Slepyshev, Jujakera too. So like I went back and looked at a couple of guys the Oilers lost that offseason. It was Pouliot, David Dehane, Matt Hendricks was like, those are like kind of the core veterans I've, the character guy in the dressing room there. Like Andrew. it matters. It matters so much, and people, you can never argue that against me. It truly, like the the locker room is probably the most important thing. And if there's not those guys in there to fix it or help it, like not even fix it, just keep it going, then like that's an issue. And it it seems strange to me that like Holland being known for like or oh, bringing in his old guys would just let old guys walk away. So just an it's- interesting thing that was brought up. That's one of those things where you can't quantify it on a spreadsheet, right? And you can't quantify it on the stat line, but it's ultimately important. And it's interesting because when the Oilers were reportedly interested in Ryan Reeves and you knew it was for the swagger aspect and not the goals and the points, it was just kind of like people were like, roar! But then you see what he does in Minnesota and you go, oh, it kind of does. I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Yeah, even that, even that hit he laid the other day in the Detroit game. By the way, like clean that's, hit. That's a clean hit. Yeah, by the way. yeah, it was a clean hit. But it's like stuff Very, like that. Like, who is doing that on the others right now? Like, they're just nobody. nobody. Just missing well, a bit was, of identity. But, but to be fair, that as well, guy. as a guy that clips that stuff all the time, when I see it, it's nobody's doing it in the NHL right now. Ryan Reeves is. Well, that's I. That's, I agree. Get the point right, Jacob, like, and Jacob Truba was doing it for a minute, but that's kind of been stomped out of his game as well. So I, I, yeah, I don't, I, do, I, I don't feel disagree like with the sentiment, but this yeah. is where we start to get into the, you know, the Ryan Smith getting seven million dollars kind of deal for Hart, where you know that's <laughs> you're right. There's an unquantifiable asset that you need to go out and find, but Ryan Reeves is a one of a kind kind of player right now in this league. Yeah, they should have figured that one out. Yep. Well, Tom Wilson. like, uh, I would He's love Tom Wilson, but like, contract is <laughs> five million dollars more. He, he doesn't have like ligaments in his knee or something like that right now, doesn't he? Out for the year. Yeah, he's just Connor Brown apparently. Yeah, Liam, that was today. great today. I love you. Yeah, I made a I made a trade idea. I was like, why don't we go and get Connor Brown? And Tyler went, well, he has a torn ACL and he's out for the year. So okay, well that'll, that'll about shut next down year. that idea. Well, fine, I'm always then, thinking guys, next fine. year. He's a I'll tell you, all right, yeah, bring him back for the playoffs. It all makes sense. 
It's all part of Liam's master plan. Mm -hmm. All right, gentlemen, we are approaching the hour mark on the podcast, which can only mean one thing on the Tuesday episode of Oilers Nation Radio. Our signature segment, word association with Tyler Ramchuk. Wait, I want to play my intro music for word association. We need an intro for this. Words, words. How dare you? <laughs> All right, dare no, you? I'm just um, let's play R. a little R.I.P. BLT bets. Yeah. R.I.P. Let's do a little word association. It's our last Tuesday episode before Christmas, so it's all Christmas questions, everybody. Woo! Let's go. Woo. Uh, we are going to go in the order presented on my screen, which is bagged milk, Dan, Ooh. Rick, Liam. I like it. All right. Bagged milk, Dan, where Rick, do you Liam. Go? And when does I Tyler first? And I'll go after that. I go last. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Go to Christmas dessert, bag milk. Go to Christmas dessert. Uh, uh, pie. Shortbread cookies. Oops. <laughs> Rick. I'm an apple pie guy. Shortbread. Uh. Toffee <laughs> or whatever, however you say it. Those little chocolates. Those are, good. <laughs> those are delicious. Yeah. I do like those. Tafifes. That's not a dessert, though. That's like a little snack you eat during the day. Oh, that's yeah, a dessert. I'll, I'll mark, that doesn't come out onto the dessert. I guess it could come onto like your charcuterie, charcuterie board with the chocolates and stuff. So maybe. You put back 15 of those and you didn't pie. just feel like you ate a dessert. <laughs> I'll eat a whole box of those babies right now. Mm. Go or uh, <laughs> Christmas meal. What do you think of Christmas meal? BM? Uh, stuffing. Stuffing. Turkey. Stuffing. Pierogies. No good Ukrainian. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I wish. That'd be great. Not at my house. Christmas. My nephew, I've got, uh, I've had a couple of Ukrainian Christmases before Tyler and you guys have, it's, it's yeah. different, Is it celebrated but it's on wonderful. December 2-5? No, it's actually, it's celebrated in April. Most oh, people don't know. I that. love that. No. Spread them out. Spread them out. More Eve now. Ukrainian yeah. Christmas Eve is January sixth. For those wondering, all right. Are you going to have Nalishnika? Uh yeah, we'll have some of that. We'll have all the good stuff. Uh, put a hand Nalishnika, Nachinka. Mm. What's the what's a cabbage roll called? Cabbage roll. No, it has a it has a Ukrainian That's name. Nalishnika. I can't remember what it is. Put a hair. Put a hair. Yeah, that? you got that one. What is that? Pierogi? Pierogies. Yes, pierogies. Uh, close. But like, do you do the question? Because we are a big, we're a big cabbage roll family as well. But do you guys do mm. the sour cabbage rolls? Oh yeah. That a lot of you, I do not like those. I'm I more of the those. German style. I'm more of the German <laughs> style with the, the ground beef and they're just delicious. Anyway, go ahead. what about, what about lazy cabbage rolls? Do you ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. My mom likes called? making that. Hmm. Throw it all in a pot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just unrolled cabbage rolls for people listening at home. Yeah, I don't. I don't need the. I don't need the rolling. No. No. Just stick it I in the bowl. A, I'll, I'll I'll save my cabbage roll story until closer to the day. One hour of Oilers talk. <laughs> We're past the hour mark. Liam's, Liam's going to get the, oh, first yes. spin-off okay. off, the first spinoff. The first spinoff of the podcast <laughs> is going to be one hour with Liam. Yes. Have I ever told you? All right. First thing that comes to your mind when you hear Christmas drink bagged milk. The fucking elf that's in my house. <laughs> Eggnog. Beer. Bailey's. 
Ooh, that's a good one. I'll go rum. I rum mm. for me. I and, actually my and my real answer though that I want to say is it's slush, but it's very specific to my family where I make just this like vodka induced rocket fuel slush that you mix with a little bit of ginger ale and a maraschino cherry mm. is legit good and you will get piled up in a hurry. Well, will, they be at the, will they be at the Christmas party tomorrow? They will not be. You are not my family. At least, at least bring the, at least bring like the, uh, <laughs> wow. breakdown on how to make them. So you just slide it. So that's clearly, like, we should make that a button. I think <laughs> <laughs> you are not my family. Well, straight to the hop. I will send you the recipe, Liam. You can enjoy it at your leisure. Oh. All right. That's okay. Oh, last you got one. invited to the family. Christmas movie, bag milk. Die hard. Elf. Home Alone. None of those are one word. Elf. Elf for me too. Which you, you can say more than one word. Though. Dan, Dan literally said elf. elf. I'm going with elf. Yeah. Oh, I'll change sorry. my answer to Klaus though. Klaus on Netflix. Hmm. All right. I actually watched Four Christmases the other day, so I'll change my answer too. <laughs> Four Christmases. Elf gets bailed on by everybody. Yeah, Elf gets bailed on. Also, Liam is not Dan's family anymore either. Nope. <laughs> there you go. You are not Shout family. out to Word Association. We're done. It is the signature segment you wait for every single Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Word Association with Tyler Remchuk wrapped up for another week. And I want to say thank you to all of you. Hit us up with your answers to the questions we've asked. Specifically, how nervous are you with the defense? What's your number out of 10? Hit us up, Owen Radio Podcast. Also, give us some reviews. I'm looking at our Apple Podcast account right now, and we need some reviews. Give us five-star review. You can say literally anything you want. We will read that on the podcast, Ron Burgundy style. For our friends at DoorDash, Oodle Noodle, Tourism Jasper, Soho, thank you for being here. And lastly, just one more invitation for all of you to join us in Toronto for the Nation Vacation in March. That is up well, along with our friends at AMA Travel at nationgear.ca. All the details you need are there. Or I will give you Dan's phone number and he will personally read them to you. And I'll tell you, you are not my family. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. So there's Oilers Nation Radio episode 68,250. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the rest of the week, everybody. Go with Shout it. out Bob Barker. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag 
a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.